What I'm going to read to you, what we're going to read together tonight is a very familiar story. But if I could tonight, I'd just like to take a little bit different look at this, perhaps through a little different lens than I've ever preached it before. But I'd like for us to go to verse number 36 in Luke chapter 7. If you're there, say amen. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus had sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment or a flask of, of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears. And she did wipe them with the hairs of her head. And she kissed his feet. And she anointed them with the ointment. The ointment that was in the box. Now when the Pharisee which had asked him to come saw it. He said within himself. It's very very important that we could see that right there, that he didn't say it out loud. Somebody say he didn't say it out loud. He said it within himself. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. Can you imagine being in the room with the Lord when you start thinking something in your mind and he says, let me tell you what you're talking about right now. I wonder how many of us to change the way we think a little bit. He said within himself, and Jesus said, uh, about that. I've got something to say to you. He said, well, all right, master, say on. Now, I understand the context. It appears as though he's showing him respect by, by calling him master, and rightfully so. But in the context of this scripture, in the Greek, the same word, means teacher, so you can almost get a little bit of this, uh, a little bit of this arrogance coming off Simon when he says, well, okay then, teacher, teach me something, because he just said if this guy was a prophet, he would know, so he said, all right then, why don't you, why don't you just teach me something, he said, well, there was a certain creditor that had two debtors, one owed 500 and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me which one of them loved him the most. He said, well, I suppose the one to whom he forgave the most. He said, Simon, you have judged correctly. Then he turned to the woman and he said unto Simon. Now this is, you got to be in the room to, to feel this. He is looking at the woman. But he's talking to Simon. Have you ever had anybody do that to you? They're giving you a message while they're looking at somebody else. And he's standing looking at the woman. But he said to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? He said, I came into your house. You invited me here. That's what the opening said. He said there was a man that wanted him to come eat. He said, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. He said, you didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, since the time that I came in, has ceased not to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint. But this woman anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He ignored them. And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. 
With the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach to the best of my ability from the simple thought, fighting familiarity. Fighting familiarity. Let's pray tonight, could we? Great God of heaven and earth, we need you, Lord. I'm hungry for you tonight, God. My soul cries out to you. My heart and my flesh cry out unto thee, O living God. I pray, Lord, that you would meet us in this house at the level of every need that is represented here. Your word knows how to discern the thought and the intent of the heart. So I'm asking you tonight, sweet Holy Spirit, as your word is preached in this room, that your spirit would search out the hearts of men and women, and that you would find a hunger within us, and that the soul of our soul would be prepared to receive the good seed of the word of God. And for this, we give you thanks and praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And let the church say amen to the reading of the word. And you may be seated and don't act afraid to clap in this house. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to take a little while to walk through this narrative tonight. And uh, hopefully by the time we get done, the spirit of the Lord is going to make sense to somebody. But, uh, you know, when you just sit down and casually read the scripture, it's so easy to miss things that if you don't read it through, through a lens of, uh, I guess you could say somewhat Jewishness, you miss the context of what Jesus is speaking and how things are moving, how things are going. and So basically what we've got is that Jesus has given his earthly ministry to his disciples. And uh, some of the Pharisees are, they're not really fully committed to him, but they're kind of trying to date him a little bit, you know. They want to they just experience a little bit of what's going on. And so I don't know if Simon was... Afraid to meet him at Burger King where everybody could see him there. But he invited him to come to his house. And uh, this was a place where he could let his hair down and he could talk with him and ask him whatever questions he wanted to. But I'm going to tell you something that uh, we don't talk about a whole lot. And that is whenever Jesus is present, most of the time there's a test going on. When Jesus shows up, he's testing the hearts and the minds of people. That's why when we come to the house of God and there is such a sweet presence of the Lord, we can't ever afford to just come here and say we're going to go through the motions because where the Spirit of the Lord is, he is searching some things. He's searching some hearts. And so the Lord gladly receives this request to come into Simon the Pharisee's house and to sit with him and as he walks into his house, now you have to understand again that this is, Jesus is a Jewish man and he's going into a Jewish home of a man who is a Pharisee of the Jewish law. And so to understand the laws, you have to understand the customs. And the custom, the Hebrew custom in this time was that now, I'm not talking about for, for kings and magistrates and, and, and potentates and highfalutin people. I'm talking about the average man that came to your home. It was part of the law of hospitality that if, if someone was invited into your home and they walked into your home, you washed their feet. When they walked in the door, you had a water pot there and you washed their feet. Now, this is valuable information because... When the Bible teaches us, teaches us of Jesus' first miracle that he performed at the marriage supper of Cain of Galilee, when they ran out of wine, the Bible said that Jesus told them to go get the water pots. Now the water pots that he told them to get would have been the water pots that they used to wash feet. And so Jesus literally takes the water pots that they had been washing feet with and turns it into a miracle of the greatest wine of the whole feast. 
Jesus took the water pots that they had used to clean all of the dirt off of the feet of people and said, watch me turn this into a miracle. So Jesus is very familiar with the customs, obviously, of the Jewish home, and he walks in, and the master, now we, we understand that it was a custom for the common man, but Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the Messiah. He is the living God incarnate in flesh. And he is seated at the table of a Pharisee who did not wash his feet. It was also a custom when a Jewish person walked into a Jewish home that they would kiss their cheek. And this was to welcome them into the house. Yet when Jesus walked into the house, there was no kiss for him. And you can start seeing the motive of the man revealed that he didn't really have Jesus there to bless Jesus. He had Jesus in his home to bless him. He had Jesus in his home because he had some questions for Jesus. And so now we've got all of the disciples of Jesus who have walked with him, seen his miracles, seen the things that he performed. I don't know how you would feel about this, but some people read when Jesus walked on the seashores and called his disciples to follow them, to follow him, that it's like, oh, cool, he had a conversation. I'm not really sure we understand the depths of that invitation. I want you to consider the fact that God himself, robed in flesh, walked up and said, follow me. God himself gave the invitation, leave the life that you're living and follow me. I want to make you a promise that these men were absolutely still enamored with the power of his miracles. Their minds were still blown when he would take five loaves and two fish and multiply it for the thousands. They had walked with him when dead bodies were raised. They had been with him when blind eyes were opened. They had been with him when the deaf ears were unstopped. They had watched Jesus literally transform the lives of lepers and with at least one of them, when he came back, he was completely made whole. They saw all of it happen. But Jesus had become so familiar to them that when they walked into the house of the Pharisee Simon with Jesus, that it never even crossed their mind that Jesus' feet were not washed and his face was not kissed, and he was not offered a drink of water. The miracle worker had become so common to them and so familiar to them that he was just one of the boys. He was just one of the guys. And this meeting was like a bunch of jocks sitting in a locker room just cutting up and shooting the breeze and sitting around. But they were sitting in the room with the creator of all things visible and invisible. John said it like this. Without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men and the light shined into darkness and the darkness comprehended it not but how long do you have to be with him before the light doesn't shine as brightly as it used to be how long do you have to be in his presence before his presence becomes so familiar that when he walks into a house and nobody washes his feet Nobody says a word about his majesty and how amazing he is and how powerful he is. How long do you have to be with him? I want to tell you something tonight, church. I don't want this to be too heavy on a Sunday night, but I've come to preach to you. We take a lot for granted. We take a lot for granted. I'm telling you, there's people all over the world that would give every dime that's in their bank account to feel what we felt here tonight. There's people that give every dollar they have to feel the deliverance that you feel in your life. There's people that give everything that they own in this life to have the freedom that you have. I'm telling you tonight, there's a drug addict somewhere in this city right now that would give everything they have to feel what you feel in this place right now. Now. 
But when you, when you come to the Lord, it's like you can't get enough of Him, you know. I've been doing this a little while. And you watch people that come to the Lord, and for about three or four months, man, they're at everything. God heals their mind, heals their body, heals their family, whatever it may be. And man, they're faithful to everything. But after they serve the Lord for just a little while, and He gets real familiar to them, Oh, boy, it's going to tighten up in here right now. I feel it coming. Come on, I'm fixing to walk where you're living right now. It's amazing how we pray big prayers and say, God, if you'll put my family back together. God, if you'll heal my marriage. God, if you'll just put this back together for me, I'll serve you. I'll love you. I'll give you the best that I can give you until God heals your family. And six months after the family's been healed, we forget just how good his healing was. I didn't expect it to be easy, but I'm going to preach in here tonight. I'm talking about fighting familiarity. I wonder how long does it take for the new to wear off? The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, the second chapter, that they came out of the upper room. And that the people who were in Jerusalem for the feast, the Jews who had come from all around that region, they had come, traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost for Shavuot. And the Bible said that when the 120 came out of the upper room, they were speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And all of these people heard what they were saying. They were glorifying God in other languages. And so they asked the question, they said, what's wrong with these people? Are they drunk? The apostle said, these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. He said, these people are drunk on new wine. Somebody say new wine. But I wonder how long does it take for new wine to get old? How long does it take for us to just adjust? I've been with Jesus. It's just another Sunday night. It's just another service. We're just going to come one more time. You know, I really in my heart felt like in 2020 that it was going to fix a lot of that with people, but it didn't take long. It didn't take long for people who wanted the opportunity to be back in the house of God to be glad every time they got a chance to not be in the house of God. But I'm telling you tonight in the Holy Ghost, if I've ever been sure of anything, We have got to fight the familiar in the church. There's an old saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And boy, is that forevermore the truth. One way you could say that is that the more you're with somebody, the more you see their faults. The more you're around somebody, you know, when you first get get with someone, and, and spend time with them, and I'll try to be careful how I say this, but, you know, some people are easier to love from a distance. Because the more you find out about them, you're like, whoa. Not real sure what that was all about. There was a man by the name of William Hazlitt who said, though familiarity may not breed contempt, it takes off the edge of admiration. Though it may not breed contempt, it takes the edge off of admiration. Can I tell you that Isaiah gave us one of the most powerful glimpses into the glory of his majesty and his deity when he said in 9 and 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. But I want you to notice this. And his name shall be called... Somebody shout, wonderful. How long does he have to be your counselor before he stops being wonderful? He said the first thing you always need to know about him is that he is wonderful. 
What that means is he incites wonder in his people. He is a God of wonder. I want to know how long do you have to serve him before he stops being wonderful? How long do you have to be in his presence before you're not moved like you used to be anymore? How many sermons do you have to hear before you're not moved like you used to be? How many times do we come on a Sunday night when we used to dance until our feet were tired and we were weary and we were exhausted but it's just another Sunday night I've come to preach to you tonight he's still wonderful he's still wonderful he's still wonderful Still, he's still wonderful. Oh. I've been with him in his presence when the blind eyes have been opened. I've been there, I've seen it. I've been with him when the lame have walked. I've been there, I've seen him do it. I have been with him when deaf ears were opened immediately. I've seen him do it. Yet I still wake up some days in my life and look at what I'm facing and say, I wonder if he really can. I wonder what else God would have to show us for us to believe he really is who he says he is. I've come to preach to somebody tonight that's looking down the barrel of the most hopeless situation that you have ever fought in your life. And I want to tell you the solution is not giving up. The solution is finding the wonder in him again. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. There's some people that don't believe you can praise until the Spirit moves in and you've got to get under the power of the Holy Ghost. There's some people that don't believe you can speak in other tongues until you just get so drunk in the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to buy into. I'm going to buy into the Word of God. I'm going to bless Him when I feel it and I'm going to bless Him when I don't. I'm going to bless Him at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When you lose the wonder, you'll sit on God because it ain't going the way you want it to go. But I don't praise him because he brought me through. I praise him because he's good no matter what I'm in. I don't praise him because he brought me out. I praise him because he's with me while I'm in the middle of it. I've come to tell you, he is as wonderful as he's ever been. He's wonderful on the mountain. He's wonderful in the valley. He's wonderful in the trial. He is all together lovely. He's wonderful when my prayers have been answered. And he's wonderful when it feels like I'm praying to a brass heaven. Is anybody hearing what I'm telling you tonight? He's wonderful when my body's been healed. And he's wonderful while I'm asking for healing. He... How long does it take for the wonder to wear off? Come on, let's lift our hands right now. I feel something trying to move in here. I feel mountain moving power in here tonight. How 
How long does it take to go from I'll do whatever you ask me to do, Lord, to is that really necessary for me to still be saved? Come on, I'm preaching to you in here tonight. When he brings you out of the miry clay and he sets your feet on a solid rock, you've got the attitude, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do until the Spirit comes asking. And he's not as wonderful to you as he used to be because you've adjusted to his goodness. You've adjusted to his power. You've adjusted to his glory. And the Spirit starts calling us to a deeper place. And about the time the Spirit starts calling, we realize how much the call is going to cost. And so we start negotiating with God. I'm going to tell you, you don't negotiate with wonder. You don't negotiate with wonderful. There is no negotiating. He is as wonderful as he's ever been. And I'm going to tell you what else. He's wonderful when I obey and he's wonderful when I don't. There's something you need to put in the journal of your mind tonight, okay? He will always be wonderful to somebody, whether he's wonderful to you or not. (laughs) There were ten lepers, but one of them realized he was wonderful. Yeah. Nine of them found out he was good. And one of them found out he was wonderful. And when you realize he's wonderful, you'll come back crawling on your knees and saying, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would not be where I'm at right now. I'm telling you, I didn't get where I am because of my goodness. I got to where I am because he's wonderful. I said I got to where I am because he's wonderful. Anybody testify tonight? He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet. I'm not talking about praising him because you feel like it. I'm not talking about praising him because the miracle came. I'm talking about praising him because he's wonderful. I want you to know tonight when I betrothed myself to him and took on his name I took myself off the market there's a reason why this marriage to him is likened to marriage in the natural you don't just walk away when you have a bad day you don't just love your wife when she's cooked three square meals a day and made the bed so good you can bounce a quarter off of it and every square inch of the house has been vacuumed and everything's just right. You love them because you said you would and you love them because... I'm going to tell you what I have to remind myself all the time. He could have walked away a thousand times. I said he could have walked away a thousand times. Look, I'm not here. I'm not here to make anybody feel like that the enemy's got a voice in your life. But let's just be real. In this house tonight, understand, I'm not here to push you down. I want to pull you up tonight. But I want you to understand, if it hadn't been for the Lord, none of us would be here right now. I don't deserve to feel what I feel right now. But I feel it because he's wonderful.
We used to come to the house of the Lord. We couldn't wait to get to the prayer room. Couldn't wait to get in his presence. <laughs> Woo! I'm not trying to be goofy here. I'll tell you one thing, I'm sweating like a Bill Rick. My glasses are fogged up. I'm not trying to be goofy here. I'm going to tell you something. When me and my wife got engaged, Bishop, it thrilled me to death when I knew I was going to see her. I took my girls down to a birthday party the other night at CCS, Calvary Christian School. And when we walked into the building, I was standing there with Brother Carson. I, I told my girls, I said, in this building, when it used to be a grocery store, your mom lived right up the street. And I'd stop in this grocery store right here and get some flowers on my way to go see your mama. Now listen. We've been married almost 22 years. I'm going to tell you, it don't feel every day like you're on a honeymoon. Boy, that went over like a lead balloon. You bunch of liars. My goodness. Some of you, your wife's not even here and you're scared. But you know what? I'm going to say this tonight. It's a shame. If you wait till it's her birthday or, your, or her anniversary for you to get her flowers. I don't remember what we were getting the other day. The grocery store. Me and, me and Graceland just walked in the grocery store. Walk by the flowers. They do that. They do that to save you suckers. They put flowers right inside the door. And you walk on by like you need a watermelon more than you need a rose. They're $3.99, you tightwad. Go get a flower. I walked out to the truck. I always wanted that when I was a boy, my girl riding in the truck. But now they make them trucks where she can't scoot over close to you. Which might be good sometimes. I don't know. But you know what? I got in the truck. Handed her a flower. We didn't get out and stop the traffic and kiss right there in front of everybody. She reached over and patted me on the hand and said, well, thank you, babe. You know why? I didn't get her flowers so she'd tell me how wonderful I was. I did it because I love her and I'm married to her. And I have no plans of going anywhere. When I come to the house of God, I don't just praise him because I'm in a struggle and I need to come out. God have mercy. I feel something in me tonight trying to come out. I, I'm telling you, I feel something on me right now. I want to tell you, there was a time in Pentecost where we were known as holy rollers for a good reason. But some of us have got too dignified. We're afraid we're going to wrinkle up our shirt. We're afraid we're going to mess up our hair. This suit's too expensive to roll around in the floor. You ought to worship him like you did when you had blue jeans on. You ought to worship him like you did when you couldn't afford anything but a pair of docker khakis from the Goodwill when you were going for a job interview. You ought to. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait for his presence. I can't wait for his presence. I get up in the mornings. I know. I know there's some routines we have to do. I like that coffee pot. But I'm going to tell you, I like getting up in the morning. Woo! Sometimes before the sun comes up, 
I just ease down that hallway and pull the door behind me. Because there ain't going to be nobody there but just me and him. And I walk into that living room where there ain't a soul. Shakatalabai. You can believe it or not believe it, but I'm going to tell you when I'm going to meet with him, when I walk around the corner and I walk through that door into the front room, I feel him waiting right there. He knows where I'm going to meet him. And when I walk in there, this morning I got up. You can laugh if you want to laugh. But I got up this morning and I pulled the door behind me. I walked down the hallway and I got to the living room. I said, There was no choir singing. There was no worship team singing. There was nobody preaching. But when I woke up and my feet hit the floor, I realized how wonderful he was. When I woke up in my right mind and I... I realized how wonderful he was. I wish you'd lift your hands to the wonder of it all tonight. Handayalamaya. <laughs> I believe I feel a little wind starting to blow in here tonight. There was a time in Pentecost we'd stand and raise our hands, throw our head back, tears would flow, and we'd speak in tongues. Let the Holy Ghost pray through us. But now we've become more dignified and he's become less wonderful to us. And now we're afraid if we worship too big what somebody may say about us. Folks, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. The thing that some people are trying to hide is what the world is looking for. I'm, I'm not trying to hide the fact that this is a hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking, Holy Ghost, sanctified church. I'm just wondering tonight, is there anybody here in this place that'd be honest enough to say, the first time you came to a church like this one, you said, I will never act like that. Look at them hands. These people are crazy. These people are kooky. These people have gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. These people are insane. But do you know why you changed your mind? It's not necessarily because you realize we weren't crazy. It's just that you realize how wonderful he is. I said he's wonderful. I know it sounds like I'm being mean sometimes, but I'm just telling you. This is not worship. No. People that refuse to worship him don't realize how wonderful he is. They can say they do. But I'm just telling you right now, when he touches you, you will respond. <laughs> I know sometimes we think it's in the way we pray it and the way we say it. And sometimes we can't say it without spraying it. If we don't say it so loud and so powerful that we're spitting it to the fifth row like we're not saying it all. Listen, this woman was so desperate. She had tried everything she could. He didn't say a word. She just reached out and touched him. And when she touched him, wonder left. 
that fountain of blood that had flowed in her for 12 years. He didn't say, I feel this on me right now. Woo! He didn't say a word, but when she touched his wonder, she realized everything they had said about him was true. You can't touch him and not leave here different than you came. I remember, I remember as a boy growing up, you can stand and be seated. You know me, I don't care what you do. I remember as a boy, I have friends here tonight that grew up with me on the old campground in Hartford City. There was never a camp meeting that that floor was clean. Never saw it in my life. You, you could mop that floor 29 times. Never clean. But I've laid in that floor I've ran the aisles when there was so much dust you had to slow down to turn the corner. But at least we ran the aisles. This don't mean anything to a bunch of you, but let me just tell you how, how I was raised. If you could get the victory on bonfire night at camp meeting, you wanted God. Because you weren't in a hurry to get to your girlfriend or get to your boyfriend at the bonfire. You were hungry for God. And I saw them pretty little old Pentecostal girls rip their hose on the floor because they were dancing on that old rough concrete floor. They'd lay down on the ground, get dust in their hair. We've, we've laid in that floor, rolled around, worshiped God. Jason played till my hands were so sore. Wake up the next morning, water blisters all over my hands. Playing the bass, playing the drums. I got to tell him, Brother Jordan, the other day, it still moves me. And if I ever get the chance to tell him, I've just never had the right opportunity to tell him. Brother Doug White preached a sermon several years ago that moved me. And I don't have time to go into it. I'm running out of time. You folks got burgers burning tonight. But Brother Doug White preached a sermon called Sometimes I Miss the Vineyard. And he walked through this story. He was telling this, the story in the Song of Solomon about the beloved. And she, she was talking about the beauty of the throne room and the majesty of it all. And the, the white walls and the marble and you can go through and read it it's just unbelievable how she's describing the throne room and she starts telling the story she says but she starts reflecting about the vineyard she said I love I love the palace she said but when me and him fell in love we would lay under a tree in the vineyard and we would eat the fruit of the tree together and we would laugh you know what? Sometimes I think Pentecost has become, I'm going to use some non-proper English, okay? But we've become so palace-ified that if it's, not, if it's not royalty, we don't want it. But I'm going to tell you, before we ever had carpet and air conditioning, people were getting the Holy Ghost on sawdust floors. Brother White started talking about the things he had done. One of the first times I ever went to Youth Congress, we went to last week, Brother White preached. He started talking about all the meetings that he had preached and all the camp meetings and all the conferences that he had been at. He said, but sometimes, he said, I miss those Sunday afternoons when everybody else would go out to eat and my pastor would say, Doug, would you mind getting the vacuum out of the closet when everybody leaves the sanctuary? He said, I'd stand in that sanctuary and I'd weep and cry as I vacuumed the floor. He said, I thank God for the conferences, but sometimes I just miss the vineyard. I thank him for this first presence in big meetings, but sometimes I just miss running the vacuum with just me and God. And there's nobody else in there. I'm going to tell you right now, when we fall out of love with the wonder... 
We have absolutely lost the roots of this movement. This thing did not start. This thing did not start in a palace. It started in the hearts of simple fishermen. It started in the hearts and lives of people who got hungry for something. But I wonder how long does it take when he's not when he's done so many miracles in front of you that the miracles don't move you anymore. When you've seen the loaves and the fish multiplied, but you don't believe he can do it anymore. How long? Does it take for the wonder? So Jesus walks in the house. And men who knew their custom didn't say a word about it. When his majesty walked in the room. And they just told him, sit down at the table. I got some things that I want to talk to you about. But you know what happens when we get too familiar I hope you're ready for this. God sent a sinner. That's what your Bible said. She was a sinner. God sent a sinner into the room. And she came walking in. I hope you got your seatbelt on right now. She came walking in and did what they were supposed to, but refused to. A sinner came walking in. And the first thing she did was get down at his feet. And she began to wash her feet with his tears. I want to tell you, if we're not careful in Pentecost, God is going to send a sinner. That will do what we refuse to do. Somebody that will realize how wonderful. Oh, I've come to preach on this Sunday night. I don't know how many people I've baptized in my life. Maybe thousands, maybe hundreds, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, when I was preaching in the Middle East and started baptizing people that we couldn't post their pictures online. I know. Stay with me. I'm not against social. But we were baptizing people that we couldn't give them a neat little sign that said, Risen with Christ. not against it but we were baptizing people that had to flee surrounding nations that if their father or their uncle or their husband's family or whatever finds out that they were baptized in a Christian church they'll kill them but they realize he is so wonderful that whatever it costs me, it's worth it to take on his name. And we've got to beg and plead. We've got to drag and beg. 13 weeks of Bible studies. Just for somebody to say, yeah, I guess, I, I, I guess I'll get baptized. And there are people all over the world tonight. Oh, God. I just got a report this week in China of somebody who's not supposed to be, but they were baptized in water baptism this week. Why would they risk it all like that? Because he's so wonderful. I love church. Man, I hope y'all are you doing all right. I'm almost finished. I love church. But I, I, I tell my wife all the time, sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to count how many times we say come on in church. Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's clap. Come on, God's been good. Come on. Come on. <laughs> It's our culture. We come in carrying all the cares of life. Carrying all the weight. We walk in here with it, weighing us down. Somebody gets in the pulpit and says, come on, church. Come on, church. After the 29th, come on, we'll go. How long did it take to get there? 
long does it take when he walks into the room we don't even recognize how wonderful and all we can do is sit around and criticize the people that are just realizing the Bible said he pondered in his heart and said if he was a prophet he would know who was doing this and Jesus turned to him and said you know what when I came into your house at your invitation you didn't even wash my feet when I came into your house at your invitation you didn't even offer me you didn't even offer me a piece of bread when I came into your house you didn't offer me a drink of water but this woman he said I walked into your house and you wouldn't do it so somebody came along that would and that makes you uncomfortable And as the fragrance filled the room, all familiarity begins to move in the hearts of these people saying, what have I done? There was a time that I would have done anything. Church, I didn't come to sermonize you tonight. I came on this night of consecration to stand on the mountain of God and reach for somebody. And have you answered the question in your heart, how long do you have to serve him before he's not wonderful anymore? I'm going to tell you, FPC, there's some people on the way that would give everything they've got to be able to bow at his feet right now. They don't deserve to be here, Pastor. They're sinners. Such were some of you. Come on, are we waiting on the music tonight for him to be wonderful? Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> Oh, God, I feel him close right now. Come on, precious people of God. Woo! How long has it been since you just told him how beautiful he was? There's an old saying that there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Because when people are in the fight of their lives, they'll make God some promises. But you got to be willing to keep the promises you've made. And I'm calling for somebody in this house, you precious, precious people. I've just come to remind you in this place, regardless of what you're going through, he's still wonderful. Wonderful. 